Welcome to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, where we explore perceptions. How self-reflecting questions can give you a better understanding of self. I'm your host, Sonia Iris Lozada. Stay tuned. Martina Rees Newberry is the author of seven books of poetry. Her most recent book is Glyphs, due out in May 2022, from Deerbrook Editions. She is also the author of Blues for French Roast with Chicory, Never Completely Awake, Where It Goes, and Learning by Rote, all by Deerbrook Editions. Running Like a Woman with Her Hair on Fire, a collection of poems from Red Hen Press, and Take the Long Way Home from Unsolicited Press. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Poetic Resurrection. Today, we are honored to have Martina Reese Newberry back on the podcast, and she is going to be reading The Glyphs in Canyons. Did I say that right? You did. From her new book called, what is your new book called? Glyphs. Yes, I could have said that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Welcome, Martina. How are you? I'm so glad to be here and I'm fine. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to see you. Yeah. Did we do video? And one of these days, I I promise my audience, I will put the video up on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, my goodness. So you are going to read that poem for us. I am. Um, the, uh, the book, as we said, is called Glyphs. And before, just before I read the poem, I want to read to you just a little bit that will tell you what the book is about. It's a okay. quote from Edith Wharton. Uh-huh. And it says, in reality, they all lived in a kind of hieroglyphic world where the real thing was never said or done or even thought, but only represented by a set of arbitrary signs. And that kind of gives a feeling what the theme of the book is. Oh, I like it. I like it already. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is called The Glyphs in the Canyons. I've forgotten those times between wakefulness and dozing and sleep. I know something happened, but I can't recall what it was. It's like trying to recall where I was just before I was born. My friend tells me, This is the reason I should never fear death. She says, you don't know where you were before you were born. So why fret about where you'll be after you die? This is wisdom I can acknowledge, but from which I glean no comfort. And it is comfort I want more than nearly anything. I want the great eyes of God to turn my tears to opals and the great tongue of God to tell me that life and death are the same. That I will keep loving and making love and walking and humming and wanting and holding and will never lose my appetite for joy or for potato chips with onion dip or ice cream. Between wakefulness and dozing and sleeping, what is there to know? Who do I serve awake, asleep? 
Who do I honor when I doze? And why is wakefulness the stain on all this embalmed paradise? Beautiful. Thank you. I know so many of us also think it's like, what, what, what do we do? It's like, especially this time of the pandemic, we've had so much time to reflect that it's almost like, okay, what is real anymore? Yes, exactly. I think also with so many people, we've lost so many people that it brings the consideration of death a lot closer to us. Oh, yeah. We're we're more meeting with it face to face. True. So I'm aware, I'm going to ask you questions on each stanza here. Okay. And the first one is I've forgotten those times between wakefulness and dozing and sleep. Why is before birth uh, significant? Well, I personally hate to forget where I've been, who I've met, what I've been doing lately or years ago. I just don't like it. I like to remember everything and everybody. I like to remember it. And when I don't, it's scary to me. It's like, where was I? Who was I? What was I doing right then? And there's something to me that's unnerving about that. And I, as I say in the poem, I brought it up with a friend and she said, I don't get what you're worried about. It, it's, you know, it, you didn't know anything before you were born. Why do you care? But I do. And I yeah. want to know, I want to know where I was and where I have been. Even before I was born in this life, I want to know where I've been. Yeah, that was, that's my next question, because I got a sense of like reincarnation and thoughts of where a soul is. Yes, exactly. Yeah, reincarnation, again, plays into that concern of mine. I don't want to come back as an ant or, you know, a spider or something. I'd rather not. But I, I would like to think that whatever it is I am, whoever it is I am, will come back in some way and will have me. Oh, let's see. How can I say this? Will come back in a way that means that I was here will come back in a way that says to somebody that maybe knew me or maybe didn't know me so well, she was here. Yeah. And so I kind of hope reincarnation is a thing. I, I'm hoping that it is. I think it is. I really I, I think it is. It, and I and I like to think it. So yeah, that's where the reincarnation comes in. It's a, it's a, a bit of a comfort to think of it. It is because if you look at the philosophy of reincarnation, you are coming back to learn. Now, granted, if you're hard-headed and you don't want to learn, you're going to keep coming back and learning your lessons because you pick your lessons. Yes. So if you picked your lessons, you should work on them. But I was reading a book called The Untethered Soul and he, they made one funny line. You're going to die anyway. Why don't you live today? That's lovely. <laughs> I like that so much. And, and you know what you were saying about if you don't learn it the first time, you're going to be learning it again. And isn't that just like being child to a parent? They're going to teach you one way or another. If you don't learn it the first time, you'll either get, you know, you either get disciplined or you'll get spoken to or because they're going to make sure that you learn this time, at least the next time. And yeah. I think maybe that's that's maybe like reincarnation that that we are given these lessons. And if we don't get it the first time, we're going to get it the second time. We'll be taught 
that the nature of the universe is a teacher, a parent. Yeah. And, and we don't die, our bodies die. But, you know, a spirit is just energy. Yeah. And, yeah. or soul, however you would like to hire self, however you would like to address it, or, you know, any religious things you might have. I think we're all thinking the same thing, just calling it different names and interpretation is slightly different. Exactly. But exactly. I really think you pick your parents and maybe your parents were your children at one time. You don't, it, it's, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you don't know. But if you look at it as though you will come back and you will learn a lesson. I was told that if you commit suicide in this life, you don't go to purgatory. If you believe in reincarnation, you don't go to purgatory. You don't do anything. You just come back and live the same life again. <laughs> yeah. So if you can't handle it this time, stick it out because it's going to come back again. <laughs> so that to me is such a good excuse or reason really not to commit suicide because let's face it. A lot of people committed suicide during the pandemic. Yes. Especially men. Yes. I saw exactly. that. It was pretty alarming to see how many men actually did. And it's sad. Yes. Um, they found that women went through more depression than men, but men kind of like, you know, they took the, the, the more extreme uh, thing to right, do. And they, they gave up. Yeah. They gave up. And I think in some ways, maybe not always, but in some ways, women don't give up quite as easily. I don't think we do. I think we're, we're prone to hang in there and see what will happen. Yeah. Uh, not with everything, but with a lot of things. I think we're, we definitely want to, you know, grasp something and not let go of it right at the first sign of trouble. You really work it out because you, you think, I think we're biologically built that way where you think, because we're built for caring for children and caring. Exactly. So it's like, if you're not there, you can't care for them. Exactly. Uh, not to say that there's women with children that haven't committed suicide. That has happened as well, but it's not as common. Yes. Not correct. as common. Yeah. So getting back to this beautiful poem, <laughs> but from which I glean no comfort. And so my question to that section is, is there a reason God isn't capitalized? Because uh -oh. you mentioned God, but it's not capitalized. And to me, because I know you, that's got to be on purpose. Yes, it is. It's for the purpose of this particular poem. Uh -huh. And I, I do, it makes me feel so happy inside that you know my work so well. It's just so <laughs> much fun. <laughs> um, yeah, it was not capitalized this time. Because... The nature of the poem is I'm talking about the God thing in all of us, that you are God and I am God and, and God is, you know, in my printer and God, you know, God, I think um, the, uh, what is it called? The Santa Motorcycle Maintenance. You probably remember that book. And he says in there to, to, to consider that Buddha or God doesn't live in a motorcycle is to say that there is no God. Because the nature of everything is God. And so in this particular poem, when I say God, I figure you mean, you know, that you know what I mean. The religious God that we grew up with, yeah, if you right. capitalize it. Right. I feel God is in all of us. And if you think it's in the motorcycle, it's animism. Because, and think about it, if, 
if we are really, like they say in religion, in the image of God, then we are his children. So we have to have God in us. And God, I look at as an energy. It's a beautiful love energy. It's not, um, I don't think of God as being um, a punishing God. Right. You, you know, if you're a God, you got to be above it. <laughs> you cannot have these really petty human traits you know (laughs) right right well i personally hope it's a forgiving god (laughs) oh yeah i you know and i like i like i said when when in reincarnation if if you don't learn it one life you'll come back and learn it another another one it's your soul that's learning we don't know what body we're going to occupy right um maybe that's mm -hmm. reincarnation maybe that's the gift that we get for dying is that we can we get to do it again if yes. And right. hopefully we'll learn something new. Yeah. So don't we have to keep stay, repeating the same class over and over again? Right. When you talk about God, because the, there's one, like, I want the great eyes of God to turn my tears to opals and the great tongue of God to tell me that. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank I, you. you know, the tears to opals. Oh, it's so visual. i like the idea of that thank you yeah uh my next question and that's this on the next answer love and death are the same and then my question to that stanza is what in your life got you to the point life and same wow um do you have a day to explain <laughs> let me see if I can it seems to me when I think about the people I have lost the people I have learned from and lost the people who are very dear to me and I didn't want to lose it seems to me that they have come back in other in other people in other in other things that that they have shown themselves to me, the, the qualities that I adored, the things that I loved about them. When they died, they, they, it came back to life, who they were in someone else or something else. That which I loved and cherished didn't really go away. As you said, the flesh passed, but the, the lessons I learned from them, the love I got from them came back. In, in other ways and in other people. And I think that's why I became, it occurred to me that life and death are really the same. The things I loved about them in life, I love about them in death. I, I just do. Yeah. And it's true. It's, it's strange how when you lose someone, it's like somebody else comes into your life, even if it's like what they say, a reason, a season, or a lifetime. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. They come in to kind of cushion it. You know, they, they give you the same essence of who you've yes. lost and it kind of makes it okay. And if the synchronicity, if we pay attention to it, it's everywhere. You know, sometimes yes. it's like I said, oh, dull. And, you know, I, could, <laughs> I saw that and I decided to ignore it. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yes. And then you think about it and it's like, oh yeah, you know, that oh, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But that's true because, you know, there's always something to fill it. And I think we think in finite, but life is only our bodies are finite, but the way we think is infinite. 
In your last stanza, it says, between wakefulness and dozing and sleeping, what is there to know? Well, actually, that's a good question on your own thing. <laughs> what is there to know? <laughs> I think you, you touched on this a little earlier when you said you were having a confusing time knowing what's real. And I think sometimes you almost wonder, am I dreaming this life or am I living this life? Mm -hmm. um, I think things happen. I think things happen where we, we actually sometimes can get confused. And especially those of us like yourself and like me who are artists, I think we, we go around in our heads a lot. We live in our heads a lot. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we have a waking moment and we think, is that real? Did that really happen? Or was I dreaming it? Or am I dreaming it now? Am I? And, and so to me, that question is sort of like out there for me. I, um, as I said, I live in my own head so much. Sometimes I just have to stop and say, okay, what's real here? What's in your head? And what's out there? And are you awake? Or are you sleeping? Are you daydreaming? You know, what are you doing? And I think I think that's true of, of a lot of people are in the arts. I think that that happens to them a lot. I'm sure it's happened to you. Oh, all the time. It's even yeah. more when I meditate because, I mean, I get most of my stories from dreaming and meditating. Right, and, I and a lot of them are kind of like sci-fi, spiritual kind of stuff. Uh -huh. Because you come out of it and you're like, oh my God, I got to write this down. Yeah, <laughs> right, because right. Because you kind of feel like you're in the 3D plane, and then somewhere in some other dimension in another, you know, it's like our bodies are here in this third dimension, but our minds go off into something else. Exactly. And it's, it's fascinating. It's how we get so many wonderful stories and artists and arts and dance and everything yeah. artistic comes from that realm outside ourselves. Exactly, exactly. And when we go to write, write it down, or paint it or put it in a song or whatever it is we do there we have that sudden moment that you know did I really live that I did I dream that no that that really you know and then I can imagine it happens in meditation a lot oh it really does yeah. it's um, I saw a funny meme today because I love memes people have yeah, such too. a great sense of humor yeah. and it says it has the mind and the person, right? So the mind says, I'm tired. And the person goes, I'm going to go to sleep. And then they're in sleep and it goes, oh, I just got five <laughs> ideas for chapters right now. And it's so true because I think that's when, <laughs> that's when I'm... <laughs> yeah, Isn't that funny. true? It's uh, when it our is. mind actually gets quiet. And so our creativity flourishes. Exactly. So it flourishes, you know, that's why I meditate more so that it doesn't decide to talk to me in the middle of the night. <laughs> yes, I get that. Yeah, I think it's like you said, it's when we uh, we reach that state of calm, when our hands aren't doing something and our mm -hmm. feet aren't doing something. Everything is nothing. Yes. Those things come to us. Right. And I think that's the if for people out there that want to work on the creativity is work on quieting your mind. Because your yes. creativity will come past that. You know. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Is wake the illusion while sleep is real spirit? I think we kind of answered that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Let's see. 
I like this line. And why is wakefulness the stain on all this embalmed paradise? Why embalmed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why, why are we, the stain is fear. And why are we so afraid in this, in this paradise that has been preserved for us? and given to us and, and is held on to, despite the terrible things we do to it, nature and everything. Why are, do we stain it with fear? Why are we afraid? We do live in a paradise, we mm -hmm. do. We don't get to experience paradise every minute of our day, but we are given this world a paradise. Mm -hmm. Fear that we have of, are we waking? Are we sleeping? Am I gonna die? Am I gonna live? It's a stain on that, and it's a stain in our hearts and in our souls. And I think the further away we can get from fear, the closer we get to paradise and realizing yeah. that we have a paradise. I think so much of our belief systems are based on fear. And when you get fear from advertising, if you get fear from uh, the news, you get fear from family, you get... It's like we're surrounded by fear. Yes. The reality is nothing is happening right now. Right now in my life, I am talking to you. Yes. I have no, I, being in that moment, and it's hard to stay in the moment, especially during the pandemic, because we were so challenged with security. It's like, how are we yeah. going to pay the rent? How are we going to eat? Is my family safe? You know, yeah. I, I have elderly yeah. parents. I wanted to make sure that they weren't going to get sick. Right. So there's a wonderful Willie Nelson song. And he says, um, I'm here. I'm not hungry. I'm not cold. These are good times. And yeah, they are. It, it I'm is. Scared. I'm not hungry. I'm not cold. These are good times. Yeah. And so I'm grateful for everything. I wake up every morning. I say I'm grateful. And before I go to bed, I go, I'm grateful. But I go through the list because since I grew up poor and I don't know how you grew up. Uh, I think poor. I, yeah. <laughs> poor. You, you grow up thinking lack. And, yes. but when you go start naming everything you actually have and being great and you go, well, wow, I really have what I need to purge. I have to yeah, exactly. Exactly. You have a list in arm's length. Yes. Of things that are good, you know, and, yeah. uh, yeah, I do the same thing as you. I lay there and I count all the things and all the people that I love and all that, you know, and, and I think, yeah, this is a long list. of good <laughs> It makes you really realize where you are. It does. Because otherwise you don't really, it, it helps you take inventory of your life. Yeah. Yeah. When, inventory when, is important. It it's really important. is. And it's good. It's a good way to not be down on yourself or not be unhappy with yourself, with who you are. You can say, I've done this and I, I know this person and I've done this and I have this in my life. It's good things. It's good things. There is a lot of good things. Yeah. yeah and one of the things during the pandemic, I've been practicing this for a couple of years, but it's, I will not be wasteful with food. Doesn't mean I'm going to eat it all before it goes bad. I mean, I could give it away. But if you look at it, something died for you to eat, be it an animal or a plant. 
something died for you. And I think if people look at it, that something died for you so that you can have nourishment, you'd be a lot more appreciative and less wasteful when it comes to food. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I buy a lot of frozen because us too. Yeah, because I love fruit and vegetables. I make soup. If I'm going to have a salad, then obviously I'm going to buy salad stuff. But otherwise, I I just don't want to be. If and if we have an over here, if if we have an overage of something, or if we bought something that we we didn't need, we'll take it down to the neighbors and say, would you know. This is, we got this and now our freezer is full. So we don't, you know, would you like it? Yeah. And we've been doing that since, um, since before the pandemic, because we hate to waste. We, we don't like to waste. And there are things you can do with it. So. Exactly. You know, you don't leave it in the refrigerator waiting for it to get really die, to really yeah, exactly. <laughs> to die and turn into mush. <laughs> right. If you know, you're not going to eat it. Yeah. Give it away. I do yeah. that with like, I have a bunch of ripe bananas. There's two things I do with ripe bananas. I make banana bread or I peel them and freeze them and use them for smoothies. So it depends on my mood. Do I want to bake or do I want to just freeze them? I think today I'm in the mood for just freezing them. (laughs) Yeah, right. But I give that to all my neighbors because I'm not going to eat like, you know, 24 cupcakes. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. I know they always ask me, when are you going to make those again? Because I don't skimp on ingredients. It's like it has a lot of walnuts in it. It has, you know, but uh, yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, nothing goes to waste. No. So in closing, is there anything that you would like to say to the audience? One thing I would like to say is I, I hope that you keep doing these because you're such a marvelous presence. Oh, thank and- you. I feel that so much when I talk to you. And so I'm hoping that you keep doing these. And I think the last thing I want to say is um, whatever your art is, whatever your, wherever your creativity takes you, support the artist community. Buy the book. If you like it, tell the author. Buy the drawing, buy the music, or listen to it and tell them you like it. Anything so that people who do these things know that there's somebody listening, that somebody's watching, somebody's hearing what I do or, or reading what I do. Somebody is because that feels so great. That's such a wonderful feeling. So if we can support each other in, in the arts community, I think that's so important. And you do so much of that and your program does so much of that. And so I love that and I love you. Oh, I love you. For those of you, I know, you know, she's been on another show and I'm going to put the link on the bottom because you have to listen to that one. And uh, don't call her a poetress. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. Oh, goodness. Your new book. When does it come out? Who is publishing it? We can't forget that. That's right. It's Deerbrook Editions. Looks like this. And I'll put a picture of it on the bottom. Okay. It's called Glyphs. I'm expecting it out any minute, like this week or next week. It should be out and about. Right now, you can get it at SPD if you have a, an account there. You know, like a, like a bookstore can get it at SPD. Or uh, if you join the SPD, join up to SPD. It's a distributor. 
and they have copies of it. So, so they, you can get it from there. But if you'd like to get it from me or you want to get it from Deerbrook, it'll be about a week or two. Okay, great. And I will also put like a little blurb out that the book is out when it is. So yeah, make sure you let me know. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's always so wonderful to have you on the show because before we actually went online, we were yapping and then we go, we, we really better get this yeah, right. <laughs> interview going. <laughs> right, exactly. And please do keep me in the loop about your new book. Okay. Yes, I, I really want to get it. Thank you for listening to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, and many other podcast platforms. Please visit us and subscribe to our newsletter at PoeticResurrection.com for the latest information and updates.